Good. As James said, um, it's great to see you all this morning, and especially anyone that I've not met before. It's great to have you with us. We're uh, on the second part of a three-part series on Sticky Church. I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read the the last part of Peter's um, preach, speech, talk on the day of Pentecost, uh, which ties in with the verse that's up there. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 29, we're just picking up a little bit of what Peter says. Brothers, I can tell you with confidence that the patriarch, I'm a little bit loud I think, am I? A little bit loud. That's because I speak loudly. (laughs) Cheers. Brothers, I can tell you with confidence that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned in the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this crooked generation or corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. One of the parts of the prophetic words that we received way back last year now um, in the spring was about repairing was the original word, foundations. We had changed that to strengthening because it was felt, and I I think understandably so, that the word repair could imply that the original foundations were not adequate. Now that I do not believe was the case. And so we changed it to strengthening because that, that is what we believe was meant. However, When you think about today's society and the revolution that is going on, and believe you me, there is a revolution going on 
in today's society. Where we are today is not where we were 10 years ago and uh, where we will be in a few years' time, who knows, all sorts of issues which I could bring to your attention but which I'm not going to now. We are going through a profound change in society. And therefore, as church, we need to look at, the, at our foundations as we meet this new society and its challenges. And of course, there are folks with us today who weren't here at the beginning. I wasn't. And lots of us were not, but some of us were. The church is different. So it's good to look at foundations for all sorts of reasons. Now, Mike Bollinger, who brought this part of the word, said there were four foundation stones for New Life Christian Fellowship. And those foundation stones were these. One, worship. Our worship is very important. In fact, Father is seeking worshippers. Worship is at the heart of our life together. The Word. The Word of God is, 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 if you like, our base. We want to do everything and be everything in accordance with the Word of God. Third, wonders. That is really our life in the Spirit. We want to be a Word and Spirit church. And four, works. I mean, Mike actually apologised for the four W's in that sense, but that's how it, how it worked out. This is our involvement in the community, neighbours, friends, and the wider communities in which we're set. Now, the question is, how do we strengthen those foundations. We are a group of individuals who've been called together by God into this local church. How do we, and what responsibilities have we in strengthening the foundations? I mean, we could talk about it in theory, and actually, at the end of the day, everybody could go home and say, well, that was great, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't want that to be like that. Now, I believe that if we're going to strengthen together the foundations that have been so wonderfully laid in the past and strengthen those, then we in turn as individuals need to be confident in our personal foundations. Because if we're insecure, we won't have any part in strengthening the foundation stones of the church. Now, what are our personal foundations? I'm going back to what Clive Chernick shared with us years ago now, when he first came to us. And they are these. The foundation upon which our life as a believer is built. Another four. One, repentance. That's what Peter said. What should we do, they said to Peter on the day of Pentecost. He said, repent. 
and implied with that, although not explicitly stated, faith, repentance, faith, baptism in water, and, fourthly, the gift of or baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe our personal foundation has got to be secure. Otherwise, we will not strengthen the church foundation stones. If we personally are wobbly, we're not going to get anywhere. So we need to be secure in this. Let me put it like this. I did a little diagram, if you like, at the bottom. There's our personal foundations, repentance, faith, baptism, the gift of the Spirit. And from this base, we live out worship, the Word. We experience wonders, please God, and work in the community. But if you don't know where you stand, you're not going to do that. That's what we do. But of course, we do it together. So there come the four foundation stones, which are visible. Worship, word, works, wonders. And they inform, if you like, the shape, the style, the life, the type of church we are. Churches are not the same. Individual local churches aren't the same. And the way we have our foundations, the worship that we offer, the way we stand upon the word of God, if we see wonders, the works that we do in the community, that's the sort of shape. This, these govern the shape, the governance, the way we organise ourselves, the style, the type of worship that we have, the life that we have together, the, the type of church we are. That's New Life Christian Fellowship. And so what do people see if they observe this local church, if they do? So let me just stress this point and then you'll see where I'm going. In order for the fourth foundation stones, which is worship, word, wonders and works, to be clearly seen and built upon each one of us must be secure in our personal foundation. Repentance, faith, baptism and gift of the Spirit upon which the life of the believer is established. Now, I could talk about repentance. Not just initial repentance when we come to Jesus, because that's what we do, but a life of repentance because Repentance begins when we first come to Jesus, but he carries on. could talk about that. could talk about faith. The faith that we, we have, say, I believe. And the life of faith. I could talk about the work of the Spirit. Very important. But actually, and you might think unusually, I'm going to major on baptism. So, this is where we go. And I'm going to give you four simple reasons why you have been 
or should be baptized. Now, you could, I could, we could spend weeks on baptism. There's so much that could be said, but four simple reasons, and we'll see how this all fits in in a little while. Four simple reasons why you have been or you should be baptized in water. Right, one. Before we get there, let me say this. We are talking not only about a personal thing, but a, a corporate church thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for in one spirit or by one spirit we were all baptized into one body and we were all made to drink from one spirit. Baptism is not just an individual event, it's a church event. Let that hang in the air. Two, some people will say to you, oh, you believe in adult baptism. No. No. We believe in believer's baptism. Age is secondary. Yeah, most people who are baptised as believers are adults or near adults, but age is not the criterion, it's belief. And some people say, oh, you believe in total immersion baptism. Yes, but that's secondary to repentance and faith. And there are hints, hints, mind you, only hints, in the Bible, that it can be done in a different way, like pouring. So, four simple reasons. Here we go. One, it's a command to obey. Jesus said to the disciples as he was uh, about to leave them, he said, um, all authority has been given to me, so go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it was the command of Jesus to his disciples that they should go and baptize. So when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, he, and said, be baptized, he was obeying the command of Jesus to go and baptise. So when someone is baptised, they are obeying the person who tells them to be baptised, who is obeying the command of Jesus. So sort all that out, and actually, who's told us to be baptised? Jesus. It's his command. It's not an option, it's a command. <laughs> oh, oh this, is, this is it. So... When we are baptised, we are saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to do what he says. Now, for us, that may not be such a dramatic thing. In some countries, it's an extremely difficult thing to do. In some Muslim-majority countries, if you say you believe in Jesus, that is tolerated until you're baptised. Because what does baptism do? It marks you off. Jesus is Lord. That's what you're saying. I have been baptised because Jesus is Lord and I'm doing what he says. Right, where does this fit in? 
It means that Jesus is Lord over all we do. Just think about it. That's a pretty stark statement. And I, you know, one of the things that is said about preaching is that if you point the finger at the congregation, you've got fingers pointing back at yourself. I'm preaching to myself here. But if Jesus is Lord of all we do, think. He's Lord of our worship. Jesus is the ultimate worship leader. How about that? It's not Paul. (laughs) It's Jesus. How do we begin strengthening our foundation of worship? We say it's all about you, Jesus. Jesus is Lord of our worship. Jesus is Lord of the Word. Yeah, when we dig into the Word of God, when we seek to base our personal lives on the Word of God, when we seek to operate as church on the Word of God, we say, Jesus is Lord. We want to do what Jesus says we should do. In fact, Jesus is the ultimate Word of God. Jesus is Lord. Who's going to do the signs and wonders? I'll tell you something, I'm not. Neither are you. But Jesus can. He's the Lord. <coughs> he, can, he can move us out in, in that sort of work, ministry. Jesus is Lord. As we seek to talk to our neighbours and friends, as we seek to engage with the community, however God will lead us in the future, we do it under the Lordship of Jesus. This is living the baptismal life. It's saying Jesus is Lord. And he's Lord over all those four W's. Why should you be baptised? Simple. You're told to be. It's a command. Two, it's an example to follow. Matthew uh, tells us that uh, John the Baptist was baptising and Jesus came to him and and John looked at Jesus because they were relatives, don't forget, and John looked at Jesus and he said, Well, he said, you want me to baptise you? It should be the other way round. You should baptise me. Because John knew when Jesus came to him that he he was meeting the Messiah, the promised one of God, the descendant of David, the one that Israel was looking for. And and John said, I shouldn't baptise you, you should baptise me. I'm the sinner, you're not. And Jesus turned to him and said, but for now, no, 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 no. To fulfil righteousness, this is what we must do. What was Jesus doing then? 
He was identifying with us, with all of us that needed him to sort out the mess that we're in, the broken lives that we have, the failure that we have, the wrongdoing that we do. Jesus was saying, I'm one with you. Therefore, I am being baptised. And he was baptised and he went up and he spent the 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness. And then the next thing we see is him walking by the Sea of Galilee and he meets, uh, he meets Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew, and he meets James and John. And what does he say to them? Follow me. And that's what Jesus says in baptism. Follow me. And we do. We follow Jesus. We walk to the pool, the water, whatever. It's following Jesus to the cross. We stand in the water. And Jesus sees our sin, our wrong, our brokenness. And it's on the cross with him. We're buried under the water. We follow Jesus to the grave. As Paul says, we're buried with Christ in baptism. And we rise up out of the water. And we follow Jesus in his resurrection. And we have new life. The old has gone. The new has come. We follow Jesus and we say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. And it's Jesus who leads us. It's Jesus who leads us in worship. It's Jesus who reveals himself in the word so that he leads us. It's Jesus who will lead us into the wonders that he wants us to see. Not what we want, but what he wants. It's Jesus who will lead us to engage with neighbours, friends, community, whatever. Jesus leads us. First, he's Lord. Secondly, he leads us. He guides us. We follow him. We follow him ultimately. Paul said, be imitators of me. Yeah, as I imitate Jesus. We follow him. Three. Oh, that's the first two simple reasons. Command to obey, an example to follow. Three. It's an act of commitment. Peter says in Acts 2.38, and we've read it, he said, um, what, they said, what should we do? He said, repent and be baptised, every one of you, no exception, be baptised, everyone, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Now, it's ever so interesting, that little word in, it's usually translated in, 
is more often in the Greek translated as into. Just a little word makes a difference. Now, you could therefore translate, translate that, be baptised into the name of Jesus. Let's take it that the Holy Spirit, who caused the scriptures to be written, wanted us to understand both. If we're baptised in the name of Jesus, it means we are placing ourselves under his authority so that we can live in his authority. In the name of Jesus. You know, we add it at the end of prayers, don't we? In Jesus' name. And it's become just something of a mantra, unfortunately. But actually what we're saying is, this has, I trust it has, is in under and with the authority of Jesus. And that's what Jesus has called us to. What a fantastic privilege. Not just to be under his authority, but to speak, move, witness, minister, worship in his authority, with his authority. But if we take it as into, and there are plenty who think that's how it should be taken, as into the name of Jesus, what does that mean? It means, well, the name, the name Jesus, of course, the name expresses all that the person is. Jesus means the Lord saves. What we're saying, we're being baptised into all the benefits and good things Jesus won for us on the cross. We have all those good things. So in our our worship, Jesus, we have your authority, we're under your authority, we celebrate the good things that you've done for us and we enjoy them together. In the word, We see Jesus. We see the promises that he's given to us. We see what he calls us to do. We see the authority that we have. We see the good things that he's granted to us. The whole word points to Jesus. In wonders, what a way to see the good things of Jesus manifest. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be delivered, be freed in Jesus' name. Enjoy the fullness of the goodness of Jesus. And that spills out into the community. Whoa, they're a church who know Jesus. They're a church who see Jesus work in power and love and grace and deliverance and freedom and joy. And that begins with our commitment to him. How do we strengthen foundations? Just look at our commitment to Jesus. Reason? No, I haven't quite got that. Jesus is enough here. That's what I've been saying. Jesus is enough. He's absolutely enough. Number four... 
Baptism is an occasion of witness. Do you know that actually the fact that baptism is a witness is not specifically spelled out in the Bible at all? And that's often what we say is a, is a big reason. It's not actually but how, spelled out. But how did Peter know that the people had repented and, and were putting their trust in Jesus? Because they were baptised or wanted to be baptised. It was a witness. It's an occasion of witness to the church and to the world. Baptism is a church event. And you're saying to the church when you're baptised, I belong to you. And the church is saying to the the ones who are baptised, you belong to us. Many years ago, someone from our church had been uh, on a trip to Israel and he came back, he was absolutely overjoyed. I... I, um, said to him, okay, what's made you so happy? He said, I was baptised in the River Jordan. And he saw that I didn't actually go through cheers. I'm sure it was good for him. He said, you don't look happy. I said, well, in a way I am. But I'd have been much happier if you'd have been baptised amongst us. Because you're part of us. And that's what we want. We wanted to celebrate us being part of each other. And it's a powerful witness to the world. You see where we're going. Jesus is central to all we do. Our, our, our worship should ultimately speak of Jesus. The word ultimately speaks of Jesus. Any moving of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders ultimately speaks of Jesus. And all that we do in the community with neighbours and friends and whatever happens in the future should ultimately speak of Jesus. And that's where we've got to. How do we strengthen foundation? We put Jesus at the centre. It's as simple, and dare I say it, as demanding as that. We put Jesus, make sure Jesus is the centre of our worship, which he was this morning. Isn't that good? Jesus is the centre of the word. Jesus is the one who will be glorified through signs and wonders. And let's seek to take Jesus out to our community. It's all about you, Jesus, for your glory and your fame. It's all about you. It's not about me that you should do things my way. You alone are God and I surrender to your ways. It's all about you, Jesus. Let's just worship Jesus, shall we? Just worship him.
That's just worshipping. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. For your glory and your fame, it's not about me. That you should do things my way. You alone are God and I surrender to Thank you, Jesus. It's all about you. We can't strengthen things by ourselves. But you can. And Lord, we pray that in these days and weeks and months that are are coming, we will see you honoured and glorified in our lives, in our worship, in our life as church and in the community. It is all about you, Jesus. And we bless you. Amen? Amen. Amen.